0: Hi, I'm Antonio Centeno, and you're listening to the Personal Image System Podcast. Welcome to the Personal Image System Podcast. I'm Antonio Centeno, your host and the founder of Real Men Real Style. In this show, my goal is to help you learn to leverage the science of style to create your command presence. This is a personal image that sends the signal of competence and trust and will help increase your earning power and attraction levels. All show notes can be found at RealMenRealStyle.com along with hundreds of videos, articles, and infographics. why do we measure things? Have you guys ever thought about that? Why are we going out there and saying, hey, size matters or seriously, it needs to be this big or that big or we go off and we'll look at how many, you know, we're doing of this? Measurement is a very interesting thing and it is great. I'm a big fan of Peter Drucker. He talked about what is measured can be improved. I always like that in my business, but I do feel a lot of people in general measure things that don't matter. So, as human beings, it makes sense though, because when you measure things, it is something that children do. It I know my kids measure uh, whether or not they're happy based off of what the other kids have, and this is very frustrating when you've got a lot of kids. Because if one kid is happy, just outside playing, then he sees another kid sitting with an ice cream cone. All of a sudden, tragedy has befallen us, because. They don't have an ice cream cone, but it keeps going. It's like spreading like a disease because as soon as you get one ice cream cone, the other ones who were perfectly fine and inside doing something else find out magically that this one has an ice cream cone. Next thing you know, you got to get an ice cream cone for four people. Someone drops their cone, so you always got to have the backups. Point being is why you know, why are we always comparing ourselves? Why are we always measuring and why is our happiness dependent on it? Because it's really a bad thing. Uh, As adults, this can lead to a very bad thing of depression, unhappiness, when we look at the cars that other people drive. We look at the family and the situation. And social media has not helped the situation in terms of when you see these perfect families on Instagram or Facebook. So, I, I understand the evolutionary perspective for needing things. And that's why measurement, I think, with kids is oftentimes there because if you weren't screaming for attention, if you saw somebody was getting more food than you and you don't bring that and raise it up and say, hey, I need food too, you probably wouldn't have survived. But it can lead to definitely issues. I mean, Moldova, it's a country over next to Ukraine. And I remember reading about how they were the most unhappy people in the world. And I was like. Why is this the case? And, in fact, the researchers were surprised. They were like, these guys have a lot more, on average, they make more money than most, I mean, more than half of the countries in Africa. And they were like, well, I mean, worldwide, they're pretty good. But it had to do with situation and their placement to these other countries that are doing much better than they are. And so, there was this feeling of inadequacy, of they were comparing themselves To everything going on in Europe, looking at what they didn't have, and therefore, it affected the entire mood on average of the people. So, today's podcast, I'm going to talk about things that you shouldn't measure and then what you should because there are many things, again, I think you should be looking at, but some things are probably not so much. So, first off, I don't think you should measure income. Now, I'm not going to say income doesn't matter, but it sure, after a certain point, doesn't equal happiness. Now, this depends on what country you're in. But I know in the United States, past seven, approximately $70,000 a year. And then this is I think a few years ago that they did the study that your level of happiness if you're making that amount of money doesn't go up much if you go from 70 to 100, from 100 to 150. So, if you're killing yourself to make all that extra money, understand that it's not going to make you a happier person. So, what should you be measuring if you're not going to be measuring actually you know, what your income is? I think you should be looking at and measuring actually what you do with the money that you have, specifically the percentage that you can put away towards your goal. Now, it may be goals with saving towards a house, by investing for your kids, maybe their future with college, maybe it's investing for retirement. Maybe it's putting aside money to be able to get that new car. Whatever it is, I think that what you should be measuring are your habits and how you treat the money you have. Because if you're only making $24,000, $36,000 a year, yeah, it may be a little bit tough in the United States to be able to make it by on that amount. But it is something that if you set up great habits now, as you work harder, as you get promotions, as you move up in your position and you go from making $36,000 to $72,000, you find that you're not living actually the same lifestyle you're living a much better lifestyle and your savings went up considerably because you maintained good habits going up one of the issues i think for, and i've met many people that are doing very well you know supposedly making a couple hundred thousand dollars both of them but they're spending all that money in fact they're going in the debt and it's crazy you see a similar family that's making half to one-third that this family's making, and they're doing just fine, putting aside money for a rainy day and things like that. But this other, you know, they don't track their spending. They're not looking at what percentage they're putting towards their goals. They're just, as soon as the money's coming in, they're spending it. They're not tracking that. So, I do think that having good habits with your money, being able to track and make sure that you're not wasting is very important. So, next up, one thing that you honestly should not be just measuring by and of itself is your weight. A lot of people, they go in and they look at their scale and they get disappointed, especially as you get a little bit older, your metabolism slows down, maybe you're not exercising as much, definitely your eating habits have not improved or they've gotten worse because you're just working a lot. And I can tell you food is the huge thing when it comes to uh, becoming overweight, but your weight is just a piece of the puzzle. And so many people just stop at weight because it's easy. You can walk on a scale. uh, But if you aren't looking at your weight in the bigger picture, you've got a problem. So, first off, what is – have you maintained and looked at your weight and measured it over time? So, it could be something – that you have natural fluctuations. I know for me, I gain a little bit during the winter. It's just a little bit harder in my area to go out and exercise and things like that. I just, you know, I, I try to maintain it, but it's something I'm aware of. And we're not talking a crazy amount here, come on. You guys have probably seen my videos in the winter. Not relatively a thin guy, but you want to be doing measurements as well. So you want to be measuring your neck, your chest, your bicep, your waist, your hips, your thighs. because. I, and I'm very proud of my wife. She actually, for the last probably two months, has been going through a very intense exercise routine, and she went to weigh herself. And if she just looked at that scale, she would be disappointed. She would have only lost three pounds. And I know for her, that would have been disheartening if she hadn't taken her measurements. So, they were really smart at this place. They had a picture. They had measurements. And she was able to see a very noticeable difference in Basically, the way her body had started to change, and when she went back and looked at it, she was able to figure out that hey, I'd actually gained six pounds in muscle, and had lo- no, what was it? She gained three pounds in muscle, lost six pounds in fat. So when you look at it that way, yes, she only lost a few pounds, but actually, we had a huge difference in the change of her body composition. So make sure if you're tracking your fitness, that you're going out there and you're measuring that key thing. Now, related to fitness, and actually, you know, this is a great thing to start looking at, is you should be figuring out how to measure your sleep. I am a a huge proponent of this. I never actually had a, like a sleep tracker until... I got one from Beautyrest. I'm going to link to them over in the show notes, which, by the way, you can go over to the show notes at realmenrealstyle.com forward slash episode 75. But in those show notes, I'm going to leave link over to the Beautyrest Sleep Tracker. Guys, I am loving this thing. And they were the sponsor of the video. They, you know, I don't really have any sponsors yet on this podcast. I'm just having fun and throwing in companies that I love, which they are – but what it did is they put these sensors, or I was able to put them right under my bed, my, my bed uh, side, my wife's side, we have a king-size bed. And every night, it was actually giving me this breakout report of how I slept. And initially, I thought, okay, this is kind of gimmicky, is this like really going to matter? But I was amazed at the detail they went into the report. They were, It, it was very accurate, eerily accurate because it measures my heart rate. It measures my uh, – there's a sensor for the weight. So it was it heart rate, breathing rate? And whenever I lay down there on the bed and actually fall asleep, so there's a little bit of they, they track when you're awake and when you wake up throughout the night, they measure the exact amount that you did sleep throughout the night and they measure light sleep, deep sleep, and REM. So, let me go ahead and explain rapid eye movement. If you don't know what these are and what happens. So, light sleep. Now, this is the sleep. It's choppy, shallow. It's not necessarily restful. uh, And and this is stage one of light sleep. Now, stage two of light sleep is, you know, this is when you spend most of your time in light sleep and you can be easily awoken. That's the big thing with light sleep is you can just come out of it very quickly. But, it's really important for the body because light sleep is basically – It takes up more than half the night, and this is when your body processes memories and emotions. Uh, Your metabolism starts to regulate itself. There's a lot of body maintenance occurring during the lighter stages of sleep, and your breathing and your heart rate typically decrease slightly during the stage. Now, deep sleep. This is stages three and four of sleep. So, at this point, you had to have been in some light sleep and you now have gone into deep sleep. During deep sleep, your body basically is a lot less responsive to outside outside, uh, stimuli. Your breathing slows. Muscles relax. Heart rate uh, usually becomes a bit more regular. But deep sleep, It's all about the body, and this is when the thinking parts of the brain are largely offline. Your muscles are going to be really relaxed. You're not dreaming at this time, and basically what your body is doing, it's rebuilding, repairing. And related to health, this is when your body secretes growth hormones, and that's going to be associated with your cellular rebuilding and repair and all that stuff like that. But that's why deep sleep is so important. What I didn't know is that my deep sleep happens at the beginning of the night. As soon as I fall asleep, I'm in a little bit of light sleep, but I shoot right into deep sleep. And this is when it happens. Then at about 2 o'clock in the morning, I wake up. And and the reason I wake up, I think, is I have just because I've got kids that have been potty training for the last 12 years and it's just the time that I go grab one of the kids, whichever one it happens to be. we got four of them, and I put them on the potty at 2 and then I come back and I lay down. Now, what's interesting here? is then I don't go into any other deep sleep. I stick with my light sleep and then I go into REM, rapid eye movement. And so, if deep sleep, if you understand that's about the body, REM, it's about the brain. And this is when you start to have those crazy dreams. That's when your body is very inactive, but your, your brain is just all of a sudden starting to consume more oxygen, you're having all types of dreams, and your brain is just doing what it needs to be, you know, regulated properly. We're talking about emotion, memory, and you're clearing out things that just aren't needed. This is when your brain is resetting itself. And then at about six seven o'clock in the morning, I, you know, between light sleep and REM, boom, I'm getting up. So, What I loved about this sleep tracker is that I was able just to go in and see all of this and measure it over time, measure it over the period. I've been doing this now for a month, and you can see, oh, well, I had a bad night's sleep, but what actually is a bad night's sleep? And be able to see how the lack of this and this has an effect. Also, I discovered that if I go to bed too late, and I'm talking like after midnight, then all of a sudden, the amount of deep sleep very much decreases. Even if I get a solid eight hours, the amount, the percentage of deep sleep still drops and I fall into more REM. So, I'm actually kind of tied more to the timing and if I want to get more deep sleep, I should go to bed earlier. So if my body is really tired, it's something that yes, at this point I need to go ahead and, and hit hit the uh, hit the hay a little bit earlier. But something like this is really cool, guys. I'm gonna link to them from the show notes again. That's the um, what was it the beauty rest sleep tracker. I'm just loving this device. I highly recommend you check them out. And uh, let's so let's get into things again hours worked. So, a lot of people are proud, especially, you know, Silicon Valley. Well, just around. I, I talk with a lot of friends that are starting up companies that are doing things um, with a startup, they're an entrepreneur, or they're just getting loaded onto a new company. And they're like, man, I knocked through 70 hours. I'm working 80 hours a week. I'm working 100 hours. Not too many people are proud of 100-hour weeks. But you hear a lot of people saying, yeah, I work 70 hours a week. I put in my 60. I'm, I'm up and coming. What – what you should be measuring is not the number of hours, and this took me a long time to figure out, but what you're actually getting done that is important. So in the show notes, I'm gonna have a link to the priority matrix. The priority matrix, it's basically a four, it's a square broken into four parts. And what you want to focus in on is what is important and what is not urgent. Because that is, to me, the most important square. What's important and what is urgent? Yes, that is. Obviously, that's urgent and important, so you got to get to it. But oftentimes, we can prevent so many things from not from just not going over into that that important and urgent square, which is like the worst place for, I think, things to be because then you've got a lot of pressure and stress, and that's why you're working those crazy hours. But if you can be working on the right things at the right time and getting ahead – then you're going to be able to spend less time working because more hours does not make you more effective. In fact, studies have shown that about 35 to 40 hours is optimum. And I think the French, maybe, you know, I used to make fun of them about their 35-hour work week, but I think in many ways they've got it right. I mean, if they're truly working those 35 hours. And on my company, I've actually, I put my money where my mouth is. I don't allow people to work more than 40 hours. I do track what they're doing and I have them self-report what they did with those 40 hours because if I see them spending too much time on something that doesn't make, you know, there's no return on investment, I'm like, "What are you doing here?" But it is something. I don't want you working 50 hours. I mean, you may view that as great. I don't view that as great because you need to be spending time resting and doing other things not working endlessly and being ineffective when you're doing that. So Think about what important projects can be completed. What measurable progress can you make? Not the number of hours that you're working. And I think if you do that, you're going to have much more success, especially when you're running your own business because that's one of the hardest things to do is we want to fall in the rest of the priority matrix talks about things that are not important that are urgent, and that's the most dangerous things. They scream in front of you. They're trying to get your attention. But when it comes down to it, they're not important. And you working on them makes you feel great. Social media, email, those things, it feels good to answer a lot of emails. But I know for me, what's important and not urgent is content creation, is investing in my business, in my own self-education, because... No one's screaming at me to go out there and get ahead on videos or get ahead on podcasts, get ahead on our written content, to write emails farther out in advance. But those things, when they go out, they affect tens, hundreds of thousands of people. They reach them versus an email. It's just a one-on-one. And yes, there are, I know there are important emails, you know, but most of them like aren't that important. Like they're they're more of just it feels good taking that little bit of action. So make sure, again, that you're focused in. On what's important. Now, the last thing I want to talk about that's not important that we seem to love to measure is how many Facebook friends do we have? How many LinkedIn connections do you have? How many people, when I put out an Instagram post, are liking and engaging with it? And, and, you know, how many shares is it getting? All that other fun social media vanity metrics. Guys, those things, we know they don't matter. But what I would challenge you to do, instead of going after that, is to look at the number of people that you have around you that you could really consider your friend that you've got on your phone that if you call them at two o'clock in the morning, they would have your back. And if you don't have people like that, you need to build those relationships. How many people that are Facebook friends would actually attend your funeral? Have you ever thought about that? And if you start thinking about with the end in mind and the impact that you want to have on people— That for me is something I'm, I'm going a lot deeper on. I want to have impact on people. It's actually one of the reasons I opened up a new coaching program versus, uh, just selling information products. I was, you know, we're selling all these information products. I'm proud of those information products, but I realized I'm, I'm just selling information. I'm not helping people transform their lives. I just got an email. It's funny. Uh, like, yes, I do check my email occasionally, but I just had a guy that had gone through one of my courses, uh, coaching programs like four years ago. And he's just emailing me, uh, just asking actually uh, a, a question, but he's also updating me. What He's married now. He has a kid. He has, you know, he's his wife, he was telling like, you know, when he was an exchange student in the United States, he didn't have any confidence and he went through my program. And all of a sudden, like he felt like he doesn't stress about style now. He actually says, you know, it's like, I don't really think about it too much. It's just become a part of who I am. But, my wife, you know, we we kind of, she joked about it. She, she saw these old pictures of me and she's like, yeah, I'm not sure I would have uh, dated you if I would have met you at this point. And he kind of smiled. He was like, yeah, you know, I realized it was a problem. I fixed it. I, uh, you know, your coaching helped me get to that next level. And now I'm living the life and I have a life that I want. So sorry to digress a little bit off there, but, uh, getting back to having people and building relationships, you want to be building impact. I do this personally by calling people. In fact, earlier today, I was just talking with a good friend of mine. He's in over in uh, Taos, New Mexico. Uh, he was a professor of mine at the University of Texas where I got my MBA. His name's Rob Adams, really smart guy when it comes to startups. He's written great business books. And he makes, I mean, this is a guy that charges a lot of money for consulting, but I'm his friend. I mean, he's my friend. And we, yeah, I mean, I know that there are many people that most people, vast majority of people have gone through his programs. have never stayed in touch with him. They don't ask him how he's doing health-wise because he's had some bouts with cancer. Uh, they don't ask him about it. They don't know the names of his kids. I do because I care about him as a human being. And I've realized that there's nothing wrong with having some of your, your business relationships become some of your best friends because you've got so much in common with these people. And it seems like we stop making these relationships. you got to take the time to get on the phone. You've got to take the time to go out of the way. I'm realizing I was just talking with him. I'm like, you know, I'll be in New Mexico here in about a week, uh, helping my mom uh, and my aunt move out there. Maybe, you know, you're, you're five hours North of me, but I can find a way I can hitchhike. Well, maybe I'm not going to hitchhike. I think I don't even know if you can do that in the United States anymore, but I can find a way to get up there. Even if I just, uh, thumb a ride or talk to a friend of a friend and and get up to, uh, to Taos, I'd love to check out what he's doing and, and just spend some time with my good friend while he's there at his, uh, his ranch and just catch up, but going out and seeing people going out of your way traveled with my family for 6 months and that's what we did. We went out of our way to see people and to build relationships. A lot of it were personal like my wife's family and stuff like that. But there were also people that, you know, I I would drive 3 to 4 hours out of the way just to stop and see someone in a particular city in Utah or Colorado or or parts of California. And we made it part of the trip, and I realized that spending a day with somebody and people, it just doesn't happen much anymore. I find that very few people are willing to go that extra mile. There's no traffic on the extra mile. So, everything I talk about here, hopefully uh, you enjoy. Again, if you want more, go check out the show notes over at realmenrealstylecom forward slash episode 75. But I really do want you to take this, take action with it. I hope that you're measuring the right things in your life. So many people just are measuring the wrong things. And it's easy. It's human we're human nature to just start measuring things. and We fall into these bad habits. But try to fall into the good habits, the right habits of measuring what's important. Thank you for listening to the Personal Image System Podcast. If you would like more information on men's style, business communication, and grooming, go check out RealMenRealStyle.com. There, you're going to find my free ebooks and our premium courses to help you take action on the information that will improve your life. I'm Antonio Centeno and until next time, stay stylish.